sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is. We want to be evidence-based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice. Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make. And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. In the current world context with the spread of the COVID-19 virus, thinking about telepractice is becoming more important for many people and especially for those speech pathologists working in the area of dysphagia. We're very happy today that Dr. Claire Burns from Queensland has agreed to talk to us a little bit about the context, how it might impact on dysphagia assessment and management and resources available for clinicians who are wanting to move into this area. So Claire, could you tell us a little bit about the way you see this crisis impacting on dysphagia screening and management? Well, thanks, Corey. Thanks for the opportunity to chat with you this morning. Um, obviously, COVID-19 has significantly impacted um, our services um, in hospitals and, and clinics um, across Australia um, in terms of supporting our clients, particularly those with dysphagia. Um, as we all know, um, swallowing disorders is uh, something that affects a, a wide range of clinical conditions and it's a service that really needs to be provided efficiently and effectively to, to our clients. Um, I know that for people living in regional and rural areas, access to clinicians can sometimes be challenging, but also people with physical disabilities too can have difficulties um, getting in to see um, speech pathologists in services and then also in um, residential care facilities as well. And as our services are starting to, to change their practice, um, moving more towards um, telehealth reviews, I think it's an opportunity to really utilise telehealth to support patients with dysphagia, to support their screening and also their assessment. Um, so it's an opportunity for us to be able to provide efficient services to our clients and also streamline our services so that clinicians can work more efficiently and provide the care that is, is really essential and needed at the moment, particularly um, in this climate of, of COVID-19. Um, yeah, absolutely true. And I guess it's pushing some people towards telepractice or telehealth um, where they might not have been thinking too much about it. Mm. I know, though, that in Queensland you've been thinking about telehealth and telepractice for some time and there's been a lot of research undertaken and many resources developed. Mm. So would you share some of those with us now, some of the evidence, mm. some of the resources that are available to clinicians? Sure. Um, so there is a wide range of evidence um, in the literature um, reporting the use of telepractice for the delivery of speech pathology services. Um, and this is easily accessible through the publications, also Speech Pathology Australia's physician statement on telepractice. Um, there are university websites such as the Centre for Research in Telerehabilitation and also the Centre for Research in Telehealth, Excellence in Telehealth. Um, they all have websites that you can go to to seek out this evidence. Um, in terms of dysphagia, um, there's been a lot of work that has been done in this area over the last 10 years. 
Um, and this work has been led by Professor Liz Ward at the University of Queensland, along with her colleagues there and also clinical and research staff at the Royal Brisbane Hospital. And what we did was we went through a systematic process of setting up our telehealth service. Um, firstly, looking at the technology that was, was required to run the clinical service and then going into clinical trials. Um, we developed into um, conducting a, a 100 um, patient randomised control trial where we compared um, the ratings of a face-to-face -face clinician with the telepractice clinician simultaneously. And that allowed us to compare what the patient's outcomes were in the session as the patient was being assessed for their swallowing. And what the results showed was across different levels of severity for patients, whether that was normal swallowing function, mild, moderate or severe, that the agreement between the face-to-face -face and the telepractice clinician for those appointments was um, very high. So we were able to confirm then that the model of care for our swallowing assessments was both safe and valid um, as if the patient was being seen in a face-to-face -face setting. And from there, we really looked at the opportunity to implement this service into or this clinical model into practice. And we've been able to do that in Queensland across um, Queensland health sites. We have more than um, 35 um, services now that, that conduct swallowing assessments via telepractice. Um, and we've been able to support this with an implementation package that, that services have used to develop their service and also to train their staff to deliver the clinical model. Um, we also um, reported on um, the roles of the clinicians and also um, the, the support person and um, patient and clinician satisfaction as well. And all of these components came out as being very positive towards delivery of these services, of the, the swallowing services via telepractice. Mm. I um, think it's a really important point there that um, might need to be talked about and that's the fact that there's a need for a support person at the other end. Mm. I was wondering whether training is needed for that person and if so, what sort of training? Absolutely. So um, it's very important that that person on the other end is trained um, to deliver the care that they need during the session. The session's directed by the telepractice speech pathologist, but there are certain tasks that support person needs to assist the patient to perform under the direction of the speech pathologist. And also their other important role in the room is to support the patient um, holistically. So to be there, to, to connect with them, to make sure that they're safe in their positioning, if there's anything um, during the assessment that they feel uncomfortable about, or just to, to support the communication between the telepractice clinician and the patient, um, the support person is there to, to make sure that, that the session runs in a smooth manner. And also the other important factor is that if something changes in that environment or the patient feels unwell um, and that there's an issue that's of concern to the patient, then that support person is, is basically overseeing that environment and letting the telepractice clinician know what's happening. Um, if the patient needs to be, um, you know, needs additional care or is distressed or there's anything that needs to change in that environment, that's their responsibility too. So it's an important role. Mm. Dysphagia is not my area of expertise, but when these um, questions started coming through, I went and looked at some of the evidence around telehealth and dysphagia. And I noted that, and I, and I didn't read everything that is available clearly, but I noted that for many of the research studies, specialised equipment was used in terms of the camera that was mm. used and available. Um, some things about bandwidth and mm -hmm. some things 
some other modifications to do with um, marking in order to, to judge swallow, marking the um, position of the larynx? Have I got that right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So there are um, there's considerations in terms of the video conferencing equipment that you use mm -hmm. and the technology, and then also there are resources that are needed for this particular assessment. So in terms of the technology, you need to make sure that you have um, a video conference system that's set up that provides the opportunity for um, dual um, screening, so to be able to see the patient, but then that they are able to see the clinician in the same screen as well. So there's that face-to-face -face communication that you're wanting to um, um, replicate as if the person was in the room there with you. It's important also to be able to have a camera that is able to give you the information or be able, allow you to see the information that you need to see. So, for example, to be able to zoom in and have a look at the face, um, have a look at the mouth, um, and then also, if it's mobile, that's, that's quite useful. It's being able to actually move the camera towards the mouth of the patient so that you can mm. get a clearer view. Or alternative, you can, you, you can move the patient closer to the camera to be able to see that too. Uh, in terms of the positioning of the patient, um, when it comes to doing your facial exercises, your oromotor function, um, you're wanting to position the patient directly in front of the camera so that they can get a front face view. And then when you're doing your swallowing assessment, turning the patient on the side. And before you do that, you place um, a white piece of tape across their thyroid notch. So you're able to visualise the laryngeal excursion of the patient when they're swallowing. So similar to what you would do in a face-to-face -face environment where you're putting your fingers on their, their thyroid notch and feeling for that laryngeal excursion, using the tape allows you via telehealth to be able to clearly visualise that laryngeal excursion. Um, and the, the person who's assisting the patient can help you to position that tape. And you can check that before you start your assessment. In terms of the other resources that you need, clear plastic cups and spoons are useful. It allows the telepractice clinician to be able to see when the patient is drinking the fluid from the cup and also taking the food from the spoon. Um, and the other um, component, importantly, is also the, the sound, so the microphone too. Um, many systems are able to uh, um, accommodate a lapel microphone or a small microphone that you can actually put on the patient's collar. Um, or alternatively, having a good um, microphone and speaker that's close to the patient so that you can hear their voice quality um, and any coughing or throat clearing um, during the assessment as what our normal clinical signs of aspiration we would be listening for as part of our face-to-face -face care. Mm. So quite a few things to think about. Yeah, yeah. But before we started recording, you were telling me that there's quite a lot of resources available for people who want to learn more in this area. Could you um, talk a little bit about those now? Yes, absolutely. So um, obviously there's the, the research that's been published in, um, in journals. Um, it's important to look at that so that you understand the evidence and also it gives you information about the clinical procedures um, for um, the, the process of the, of the swallowing assessment, but also the staff and, and the, um, the resources required. But here in Queensland, we've actually developed um, an e-learning program for clinicians and also managers who want to implement this service. And we've done this for our state um, within Queensland. Um, there's a lot of services now that have adopted this model of care um, in metropolitan centres and also regionally and remotely. Um, and this e-learning package has three particular modules. So the first module is for the, 
the speech pathologists, the managers um, who are wanting to um, develop their service. It provides information about um, how to develop the equipment, what information you need around that, um, the clinical guidelines for the service um, and staff training. Um, and then the second and third um, programs are our training programs, one for the speech pathologist and one for the support person. And these are um, very detailed training programs that go through what is required, um, what is required in terms of their different roles, um, how to set up your, your um, clinic, how to actually conduct the session themselves, the requirements for the patient. So it gives you information on how to record your session, also referral forms, um, booking forms, and um, following up how to write the progress note for the patient as well with regard to um, their clinical outcomes for the session. Um, so all of these um, training packages have those written documents attached to them. Um, they've purposefully been left in a Word document form, so facilities can use those documents and change it to their own specific requirements. Um, the aim of this package is really to provide implementation opportunities, so for other services to pick this up and adapt the resources to what they need locally, um, but use the model in the way that it's been um, developed with the evidence behind it. And these resources are freely available? They're all available through um, an external link on the program of iLearn, which is linked to Queensland Health. Um, so you can actually register with iLearn and have access to the program externally. Excellent. Well, there's a lot of food for thought there. Um, and I thank you very much for taking the time this morning when I know things are very busy for you in the telepractice area to talk to us for Speech Pathology Australia. SPA is going to continue to look for ways to support members, especially in regard to telehealth and telepractice as this crisis continues to unfold. So thanks very much again, Claire. Thank you, um, you're very welcome. And if anyone wants to contact me about the program or um, setting up their telepractice service, I'm very happy to take um, emails. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.